promote your product, but not necessarily transact around your product. And we actually see a major growth in that kind of partner marketing to find that alignment, to find a real logical connection between the partner to the end customer, both from the messaging, the target audience, and their expertise in selling that product category is really critical. Welcome to Make Them Famous, the podcast about partner enablement. The only podcast to uncover both how partner teams enable their partners and how other department leaders enable their partner teams to achieve success. Welcome back to another episode of Make Them Famous, the partner enablement podcast. Today, we want to focus on partner marketing. Under that is a term that we use a lot called co-marketing, but partner marketing can be a can of worms. It can go very wrong and disrupt the future potential of the partnership. It can break great partnerships if done incorrectly. The man that I've invited to interview for this topic to help us understand is Daniel Nissan. He is the president and CEO of Structured Web, a platform used by major brands to run through channel marketing automation, basically operationalizing partner marketing. He's built product around this dilemma for years, He does it internally, so he is the expert that we chose to help us learn the definition and practice of partner marketing versus direct marketing, the state of partner marketing and enablement, complexity and challenges, including attribution, assets, syndication, operations, et cetera, what types of content and marketing collateral are great for partner marketing, partnerships, marketing alignment, team alignment, interdepartmental alignment. Then we talk about the risks, compliance, GDPR, CCPA, con, uh, sorry, channel conflict, legal statements in content, localization of the content, trust and brand reputation. We go deeper into strategies teams can use to avoid channel conflict, what causes friction between co-marketing partners and how teams can prevent that. Finally, we list off the strategies and recommendations for your next steps. This is another 45-ish minute episode. Hang on till the end. You won't regret it. Again, we could not do this podcast without our awesome sponsors. Please take a couple of minutes to watch or listen to me talk about these three platforms that help you run your program. Thanks again. First, Partner Stack. Partner Stack is the number one rated partner platform for software companies. Partner Stack works with top companies like Monday.com, Unbounce, who was just on the podcast, Intercom, Webflow, uh, some of the companies that use Partner Stack to make sure that their partners are happy. Uh, We advise many of our post-program market fit clients to demo Partner Stack when they are ready to scale revenue through partnerships. Uh, We also talk a lot about co-selling in this podcast. We talk a lot about co-selling between agencies and tech, as well as tech to tech. And one of the platforms that really shines for both sides of our ecosystem, the agencies and the technology, is Reveal. Reveal just launched version two. They have an amazing UI and UX, and our agencies love it. And this is the thing with these co-selling partnerships is if one of the two sides does not have the tool that you're trying to use, you can't effectively co-sell. So 
Uh, we recommend Reveal, uh, number one, because it's a great product. Number two, because you can integrate CRM for free and map data without hitting a paywall. Many agencies will stop when you try to refer them to a tool that is too expensive and, uh, and that will crush your ability to effectively co-sell. With agencies in particular, it's, it's super important. So check out Reveal, book a demo, it's free. Why not? Uh, Sendoso is our third sponsor of this show. They've been an awesome sponsor, an awesome partner for us in many ways. They're also in one of our programs, but Sendoso is the top sales and partnerships team's number one choice for gifting and sending. They are the leading sending platform. Sendoso is the most effective way for revenue teams to generate more revenue and stand out and engage their strategic points of contact throughout the partner journey. So if you're a tech team listening to this, I'm sure your salespeople are using Sendoso or something similar, but check out what they have to offer. They just released a number of new features, both for partners as well as for end users. And uh, it's slick and it is fast and it is robust. So please check out Sendoso, check out Reveal and check out PartnerStack, links below. And as usual, enjoy this episode. All right, Daniel, welcome to the program. Welcome to the show. Um, so let's have a little bit of a chat around partner marketing. And we're gonna go into some detail uh, that I described in the intro. But first, let's meet the man behind Structured Web. Daniel, you and I had a short chat prior to this, but we're just getting acquainted. So this would be good for both of us as well. But uh, how do you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, first, Alex, thank you for inviting me to your show. It's, I heard your prior podcast, uh, very interesting, and I'm very you know, happy to be here today. Thank so you. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah how's under... the Wikipedia version of Structured Web and, and yourself? How do yeah. you get into it? So uh, my name is, I said, Daniel Nissan. I'm the founder and CEO of Structured Web. Uh, when we started uh, 23 years ago, the vision of Structured Web was that to create, as our name says, Structured Web, create websites for small businesses. And we looked around and we saw that small businesses mostly are the same, right? Um, if you're a travel agency or chiropractors or a restaurant, your web presence Virtual will be the same with some nuances that represent your business. So we started in general working with small businesses. Later on, um, two or three years into the process, we focused more on the channel. And that's from about 2002, 2003, we worked with channel partners. And about 10 years ago, we elevated the offering and developed an enterprise level. Uh, and today we offer a TCMA through channel marketing automation platform to enterprises that licenses from us and provided us a service to their channel partners. Wow, that's a big jump from small small business websites to enterprise through channel marketing automation. And evolution over time, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, very cool. So, uh, so what we want to kind of understand on this episode and help you, the listeners, understand is how to approach this concept, how to strategize for it, what to know, and um, some of the things that you can do right after you get done listening. Um, so first question to you, Daniel, uh, how do you define partner marketing versus direct marketing for those new to it? What do you say? Yeah, so partner marketing, there are two levels in partner marketing, marketing to the partners, 
and helping partners market to their end customers. While marketing to the partners is very similar to direct marketing, right? You have your enterprise marketing system or business marketing system and you market to your direct audience, right? So you have your marketing department marketing to your target audience. Marketing through the partners and helping partners marketing to their audience is completely different. Uh, you need different systems, you need different content, you need different strategies, you need also different engagement. You need to teach those partners and help those partners to do the marketing for your product and your services, something you don't really need to do when you do marketing directly with your own marketing team. That's great. So yeah, it's 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 in the the definition is in the um is in the name, you know, partner marketing. You're going to market, you're marketing, you're doing it with a partner involved. Um, with the partner for the partners uh, uh, together and separate there are different uh, strategies and tactics to implement that but at the end of the day is helping partners drive demand in their local territory with their specific existing customers or new customers that you're trying to achieve together sometimes it would be a, a new customers to you but existing to the customer to the partner Sometimes will be just new to, for both of you. So net new logos for the partners and for the vendors that try to market through the partners. Yeah, and as a former marketer, as a leading growth for a few platforms, and I always thought is this is how you did marketing. I wouldn't I wouldn't just rely on the power of my contacts and brand and social media exposure and lists. I would always reach out to someone like Daniel and say, you target partner managers. I'd love to target partner managers. What can we do together? I have this going for me, you know, this many email subscribers. I've got these social accounts. I've got a YouTube channel. I've got some money. What do you have? And Daniel will say, you know what? I have this, this, and this. And I say, who are you targeting right now underneath that umbrella of partner managers or whoever the target is? And he'll say, Specifically, we want to go deeper into the EU or mm -hmm. we want to go into e-commerce or whatever it is. So we kind of align on who we're targeting and what we have to throw in. And then we say, okay, the easy part, I think, is the what we're going to create. Once you have that hard part done, but then the next level, the next layer, the difficult part, which is why structured web exists, is a attribution i'll get your list here daniel a attribution um some of the management of the where is it going and how is it getting there the syndication is the word yep. um and then some other things that daniel list out here but let's talk about that so now that i know i want to go to market with partners i know i want to market with partners what do i do next what are yep. some of the things i got to check off mm -hmm. so you touched before i answered that you touched a very good point that Partner marketing used to be marketing through those people that sell my products to end customers, resellers, dealers, agents, and others. But in the state of marketing and the state of communication that exists today, your partner marketing can be also through affiliates, through influencers, through other partners that can just promote your product, but not necessarily transact around your product. And we actually see a major growth in that kind of partner marketing than then the transacting partners that they obviously need to promote your products, right? So when you look at part on, on channel marketing or partner marketing, right? There are a few phases to the process, which is quite different than your direct marketing. So of course you need to create the content, first thing, but you also need to create programs to engage your partners. You need to explain to them what to do with the content, right? 
once you have the content, you need to engage your partners, right? It's not your marketing department. It's not that you go to your VP market and says, let's launch this campaign. Let's launch a campaign on, on Google or direct mail or email, right? You need to engage another set of partners, another set of businesses. So there is the partner engagement process, okay? Then you need to drive the partners to execute the marketing programs that you provided them through, and we'll talk later about all the different marketing tools that are available. Third, to help them capture the leads, nurture them and develop into opportunities, and then convert those opportunities and close orders. And you want to track all the steps in the process. So you must have the analytics to track the content that you created, that you create enough content and share with the partners. You have to track partner engagement because if they're not in, if they are not engaged with your content, they don't come to your partner marketing portal and check the content and engage with it and customize it, then they will never send it and distribute it through their email or social or online advertising. So if you have more, more steps than you typically find in the direct marketing, and the key challenge is that you need to motivate and engage other set of businesses to do something that you want, want them to do. You don't tell them to do that. You need to convince them. You need to motivate them to do that. And that's the quite the, the major differentiation between direct marketing to partner marketing, which is through one, two, and sometimes three levels of your partners that need to do it on your behalf. Okay. Then the measurement is end-to-end. -end. Measurement is from capturing the, 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 creating the content to capturing the leads, see how the leads go and, and develop over time. Two, if you use deal registration, you want to capture that, and then you can attribute deals and close orders or traffic to the website if you have a SaaS program and how that traffic converted eventually to orders. Okay. Okay. So that was a lot, but that was good. Um, yeah, that's a good sort of bullet point list of what's involved yep. in partner marketing. There's a whole lot, which is why platforms do exist to help you with this stuff. Um, but let's start at uh, start unpacking those one at a time. So it's key challenges is the next part of this discussion. So you're going to run into these as you set up your partner marketing campaigns. Um, let's start with Let's end with attribution. I think that's the main one I think people are going to be wondering about and asking about. There's challenges on all sides of marketing with attribution, not just partner marketing, but all marketing. But let's talk about uh, syndication, assets, some of those bullet points. Where do you see the main complexities before attribution? Anything else? What, what, do, you, what do you typically see happening? Yeah. So the first complexity is setting up the content so partners can find it can customize it, can co-brand it, right? And then use it on their own. So it's the operational portion of the channel process. Second one is to give them the tools and the, the, the training and support to execute on, on the marketing assets, right? A lot of channel partners are small and mid-sized businesses, not always have dedicated marketing person for your brand and for your product. So the whole enablement and engagement is the second challenge. Setting it up and enable them and get them, cause them to really uh, activate the marketing program and provide them. That's the most difficult part, to get partners to do it for you. Okay, we always find it very, very difficult. And you need to make it easy, simple, and also listen to them, right? For example, we see a lot of brands where they come with channel marketing program and content. It's all about them, the brand, and not about the partner, right? If you have a partner selling, let's say, security products, cybersecurity product, don't push too much content about your product and about your cyber security solutions. Help the partner develop their presence, their brand, their uh, uh, thought leadership with their audience and help them to drive demand for their practice as a cybersecurity expert 
And if people come to them, they naturally will sell your products. So invest less in marketing your brand and marketing your product as a vendor and think about how I help my partner market themselves that eventually will cause my product to be sold. Okay. So it's the operation and the enablement of the partners, but also give them the right content and right messages that when they see the content, they'll actually say, it's going to help me build my practice. It's going to help me build my business and develop respect with my clients and prospects. Okay, so let's understand this real quick. So you mentioned content a lot. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of different ways to slice and dice partner marketing with content and um, different vehicles, I guess you could say, different uh, assets, but um, there's there's lots going on there. Um, let's talk about some of your favorite partner marketing examples. And this wasn't an original bullet point, so sorry for the the curveball here, but I do want to kind of list out some ideas. So if I want to go to my marketing team with some ideas, uh, what should I, what should I start with? Where's a good dip my toe in the water starting point? And then where does it get really complex? Yeah. The, the tools that I like the most when it comes to channel marketing and partner marketing is what we call syndicated uh, marketing, uh, which means you set it up once with a partner and then the partner doesn't need to follow up and do anything else. Example, a uh, content for their website. If they sell your products, you want to have pages on their website with the information about your product and services. We call it content syndication. Mm -hmm. It's a one-time setup. The partner comes to your portal, grab two lines of JavaScript, place it on an empty page on their website. And from that moment forward, you can update the content. You don't need to ask the partner to do anything else. So that's a very easy process. You engage the partner, you help them to set it up or guide them how to do it on their own. And you have a nice channel to distribute your content through the website. Second one is social marketing, which is one of our biggest favorite is again, asking the partners with permission to publish on their behalf on their social network. It can be Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and other networks, right? And, and once you get the permission, you can syndicate content through those channels on behalf of the partners. They always, of course, have controls and way to know what you're publishing. They can stop it ahead of time because they get notification what's coming up next week. If they don't like it, they can disable it. But if you do it right and you engage them the right way, you again establish an automatic channel to leverage your partners, the network, reach their audience and drive the audience back to the partners. Oh, I like that. I want to stop right there for a sec. So for those of you listening who haven't been a marketer, um, sometimes this happens in sales, but you can share uh, your target lists uh, in social uh, business manager, Facebook business manager is the main one. I don't know if LinkedIn allows it, but I can take an audience that I have in business manager and share it with structured webs business manager account and allow structured webs marketing team to retarget the people that I am also working. So account mapping is a term that we use in co-selling sort of similar where we are hitting the same list with some of the stuff that um, we want them to see and we're strategic about. I'm going to hit them with this from this period to this period. And then Daniel's going to come in and hit them with this during the same period. Maybe there's overlap because he's going to use different messaging and a different value prop, but maybe both of those links are going to end on a landing page. that has got a white paper on it or something else, right? That's I think a typical scenario that you're talking about there. Yeah, and it's it's really key for the vendors that leverage those lists from the partners or leverage their websites. It's always that the traffic goes back to the partner, right? That way you can contribute the business to the partners. You can uh, 
give them the, the, the protection that their lists are not being used to drive traffic that they won't be uh, getting uh, credit for that. And, and that's a major part of the practice. Always drive it back to the partners or pages that you host for the partners that are co-branded and you have clear attribution that every traffic they drove to their website or directly to your website, if in case you sell direct, is attributed to partners and they get proper credit for that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the big thing. So your partners, in order to do the marketing for you or with you, ideally is with you. But yeah, I think you can enable your partners. Major brands do this all the time to um, to push the uh, push the partnership. Sorry, push the product down to their audiences, whatever that is. Um, you're going to need to make sure they know attribution is checked off. So let's get into that since I mentioned it. Um, so what are some of the things that I need to make sure to have in place so that I can at least cover most of, I think hundred percent attribution is not possible still, but you know, 80% attribution, or at least I, I can get that done. What are some of the things you talk about and what are some of the steps I can take uh, with or without structured web to make sure I have attribution? Yeah. So it depends on the uh, sales motion that you have with your partners. If your partners are sell selling partners, right, then the whole process will drive the traffic to their website and landing pages. They would capture the leads, they will nurture them, develop them, sell them, and then they report to you the sales and the leads when they close the order, right? And, and that's, they can do it through structured web from lead capture management and the attribution to the marketing. Uh, and uh, also close it with deal registration in case the vendor use deal registration. So that's one path. The second path is for partners that don't really transact with you, right? Those are partners that would drive traffic to the vendor's website. Let's say if you're a SaaS company, if you're QuickBooks, for example, you want partners to drive traffic to quickbooks.com. And then through affiliate code or partner code, you want to attribute that traffic to the website. And if that customer sign up for a 30 days trial, and then convert it to an order, you want to credit the, the partners for that. Uh, for that, you can use tools like Partnerstock, which that's their core business, helping partners track their traffic they send to the vendors, uh, get reports on the traffic, the sign up to free trial, and then conversion to paying customers. So we have partnership with Partnerstock and we support our customers that need that type of attribution tracking through them and partners that do it through reseller partners that do it natively on StructureBook. So before I get into this partner marketing uh, scenario, uh, let's phase it out for I like to do this. And then we'll, we'll go into risks. We're going to go into how do you align with marketing on this. But let's give you a kind of an idea, on a roadmap, so to speak, or at least kind of the first, second, third steps to getting this done. Structured web, management of all this, operationalizing comes later. You want to do some stuff first, get, get the groundwork covered. So what are some of the things you talk to teams about that maybe are you disqualify for your product for right now? You tell them, hey, you're going to want to do these things first. Come back to me later. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of those things that you recommend they do first? Yeah, I think the first thing when you build your uh, program is to first to have a channel network, right? If you have a few partners, you don't need a really channel marketing platform in no partner demand center. Uh, it's an overkill for situation. So once you have 50 to 100 partners and more, you want to automate the process, you want to make it kind of self-serve, and that's where you need structured work. Second is also to understand your partners. Who are the partners? Who they sell to? What type of content and messaging and marketing activities they need? So a lot of the planning and the preparation before you really engage the partners and start to create campaigns is to understand their go-to-market and who their audience is. So instead of being a 
top to bottom strategy, it's a little bit bottom to top strategy. Understand your partners, customers, what they buy, what messages, how the partners really communicate to them and build the marketing messages and the go-to-market strategy based on that. And once you have the plan and you understand your partners and their customers, then you can scale it up through systems like Structured Web. And then, and then you have to align with marketing. Yeah. You're a partner manager. Maybe you have a team, maybe you even have a partner marketing lead on your team. But I think all the partnership teams that I talk to, I talk to, when it gets bigger, you may have your own, I don't even know, department for content creation, all this stuff. Um, but uh, you, you typically don't have all the, the tools and the resources you need on your partner team. You got to go to marketing, which means partnerships and marketing alignment. Uh, it's a big can of worms for some companies, a lot of companies, actually, because marketing uh, typically um, have, you know, they're buried in their own KPIs, OKRs, they've got their own stuff going on. And they sometimes see partnerships as like, you know, kind of a, a nuisance, kind of like, why are you guys bothering me about this? You know, I have other stuff I got to do and it's an obligation almost. Yep. So what have you heard and what are some of the ways that teams that you work with um, align with marketing and get stuff done really um, what do you what do you hear what do you see what can we start start talking about to help these guys if you look, if you look at the org chart both in smaller companies and, and enterprise the channel marketing team will be typically part of the channel organization which sits under sales right so it's not naturally connected to the enterprise or the direct marketing team so first thing is to educate your internal teams, channel marketing teams and to engage with the marketing team and explain to them that unique channel and the opportunity because partner marketing give you huge exposure, getting to the influencer that talk to your customers and customers. And most of the time you don't need to pay for that media. It's almost free media to get through your partners to their customers and you don't need to buy and you go through a, a trusted channel that the end customer respect more listening to their local partners and people that influence them than to hear the brand trying to market to them on Google or Facebook or the other places. So first thing, go and, and educate your internal marketing team, what partnerships means, what are the opportunities to market to them and have them to include it as part of the marketing tactics. So if they go direct, they plan to launch a campaign on Google or Facebook or LinkedIn, do email campaigns, webinar events, they need to have a portion in their plan for the partner marketing as well. Second is to engage the product marketing teams. When they prepare the marketing messages, the marketing content, they need also to think about the partners, what partner needs. Again, as we said, if it's a resale partners or affiliate partners or influencer partner, they need different type of content. So engaging with product marketing and direct marketing, explain to them that, that the channel, give them some data about the channel, who are the partners, who they cater to, uh, what type of verticals these partners target, Right? What is their sales strategy? Do they sell direct? Do they sell through us? And all of that information can help those other teams in the organization to understand that unique channel, to understand the unique sales motion through partners and support you with content and, and also inclusion of that channel in their overall strategy. Okay, and this is perfect. So uh, the way I have heard it uh, best I'd say best strategize for the team to do it really well. And this is kind of how I worked with sales. I was um, I was kind of leading partnerships when I was at my 
companies on the marketing team. So I had both, but, um, but yes, most people are under sales. Most partner teams are under sales. Um, But when I would go to my sales team, I would first have that sort of OKR conversation. Like what are your objectives for the quarter? Talking Mm -hmm. to the CRO or the VP of sales and they'll say something around numbers and revenue. And, and I'll ask the next question, how are you getting there? What are some of the personas you're targeting? Where are you, where are you finding them? What, what does that look like? And then I'll go back to my desk and, you know, get with my team and we'll say, this is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out how we can enable them to succeed using the stuff we need to do. So you, you kind of do this with marketing where you talk to them about what keywords they're focused on for the year, the quarter, what traffic numbers are they looking at? um, What content do they have coming out in the content calendar? Mm-hmm. And um, then you go back to your desk and say, okay, let's try to show them why they should fit partners in here, here, and here, and um, come up with the plan almost for them. You've mm-hmm. got this going on. You're after these things. So are these partners that I have over here. And this partner's really good at that. This partner's got a course we can actually sponsor. This partner's got a podcast. Let's get in that and put yourself on the road with mm-hmm. the marketing team. So you're not bringing them off on the side street saying, please help me. I need assets, blah, blah, blah. You're saying, no, let's put a plan in place that is a marketing plan mm-hmm. that includes partners to make their jobs easier and to hit their objectives uh, with partners involved. And the best partner teams out there do it as culture, as a part of their culture. They they do it as the company doesn't know any, any different, mm-hmm. but that's rare, I think. You agree. Some some teams are are just trying to figure this out. Yeah, well, you need to look at when you approach your uh, sales organization, marketing organization, what's their go-to-market strategy, right? Let's assume that they want next quarter to expand to a new vertical market. Let's assume they want to go to the healthcare market in the coming months, right? Then they will go with their direct motion to the healthcare. Now we need to look through partnerships where we can help them, right? Do we have partners that target and customer in the healthcare industry. If not, then we need to start mapping those partnerships. We need to find them, we need to engage them, we need to recruit them and onboarding them, right? Once we have those partners that go after this target market, new vertical that the company might be approaching, right? Then it's start to support them from the marketing activities, right? Helping them to take the message and reach to their audience. And for that, you need to understand those partners, right? If they're big partners, they might be just, you no. Know, providing with a lot of assets and resources they can use. If it's smaller partners, you need to give them more ready-made messages and maybe do it for them because they don't have the resources to do it themselves, right? So it's always to find this route to market by the type of partners then and understand who are their end customer that they can reach. And of course, they need to be the partners that the end customer you're looking to reach. And then also to understand the operational part, what do they need from content, from services, from technology, really to reach those end customers. If you miss on one of the bow on one of the of these key pillars, then the process won't work. It will stop, and you won't be able either to have the right partners, or if you have the right partners, you won't be able to carry in and communicate through them to the end customer. I love it. That's perfect. So now we have a good understanding of what it is, um, what it takes to execute effectively. Um, and what it looks like at scale, or at least we have kind of a, an idea of what the bigger brands are doing. Um, and, uh, and now we want to talk about, okay, well, how do we protect ourselves and our partners? Mm-hmm. Uh, risks is the main, main thing there. So uh, risks include 
and I have just a short list, um, regulatory bodies, um, laws, GDPR, CCPA, some stuff that you need to worry about for your domain protection. Uh, brand reputation is, I think, the other big one. But what are some of the risks in this and what are some of the ways we can protect ourselves? Mm -hmm. I think there are three levels of risk. One is the partner engagement, right? The trust that you build with the partners and the fact that, they, as we talked about it earlier, if they market for you or the marketing generate leads, you need to protect their interest and you need to provide the attribution so they know that they invested time and they get a credit for that, either from referral fees or transaction fees or that if they generated leads, those leads stay with them and don't go to your direct sales organization or to other partners. So the first risk is no, the trust between you and the partners. Okay. Second is the operational, the, the regulatory requirements. It depends if you sell through you know, healthcare, uh, financial services and others, you need to make sure that the system that they have, either that you provide them the system and that's part of what you get through TCMA platforms, right? The system that already pre-configured with the right uh, requirements from, let's say, unsubscribe or from data collection or forget me if you uh, market in, in European countries and need to follow GDPRs, right? System need to have the right built-in processes from privacy and, and regulatory controls that required by each market, right? Third part is uh, content. Uh, in some markets, you have to have very strict control on legal statement in your content, uh, changes that they can make to the content, what allowed, not allowed from brand control and from uh, legal and, and privacy controls. So TCMA also enables you to control what the partners can change in the content. Now, of course, they can take that content and find an editor and modify it, and you have no control on that. But if they do it through the platform and you educate and say, look, you can change the content only to the level allowed by the platform, you can have full control on the content. You can give partners the only option to apply their logo and address. We can give them an option to edit some of the content while you keep some of it logged because it's required by law, for example, to have a privacy statement and then subscribe. So not only that you protect yourself, in many cases, you protect the partners because they're small organizations. They don't have the same knowledge that you have and giving them the right content with the right editing tools and the distribution uh, tools through email, social, on the website that comply with the regulations. You protect their brand, your brand, and any issues with end customers. Oh, you mentioned some things I had not even thought about. Uh, legal statements in the content being one. Uh, you you kind of mentioned this, but localization. Um, so if uh, you create some content that is in a different language through um, an automation platform and it's just not correct, um, that's more of a brand and reputation thing, but it relates to localization. Compliance, you mentioned, I think that's what most of our teams ask about. They just want first, let's make sure we're not going to get sued. Yep. Then we worry about trust and channel conflict is the other one I think you touched on. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, so before you go to market with your partners, let's talk about that a little bit. So um, in account-based marketing is kind of how I always interpreted um, marketing with partners. The first thing you want to do is create uh, a list. If it's a, a very targeted campaign, if it's, you know, everybody in the Northern hemisphere, that's in an industry, that's a different story. But hypothetically, you're doing some account-based marketing and account-based sales. You start with the list. Um, that list then goes through 
you know, some intermediaries, you have it, it's compliant, you've got everything, you know, your box is checked. Mm-hmm. Um, now your partners want to target the same list. You've got to do some stuff there just to make sure that you're not, um, not compliant, not, um, uh, not compliant. And um, I think that typically means like you hold on to the outreach to that list, you handle it. So let's just say we're going to hit the same list. I'm going to create an audience. I'm going to do the email to that list. Daniel is going to just retarget it with ads, something Mm -hmm. like that using my audience builder that I've, I've shared with Daniel. Uh, Then it comes to channel conflict and thinking, okay, well, um, these people, uh, I've checked, they're not in my CRM. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I've gotten that far. Yeah. But what if your sales manager, a good example, your VP of sales or whoever has assigned that salesperson an area mm-hmm. and your target list happens to be like a smaller area, like a country in Europe, right? That's, let's say it's Germany and you, your VP of sales, you didn't know this, but they assigned one of your reps, that area of Germany. And then you're about to just paint that area with a whole bunch of messaging and promising the the partner that's involved, obviously access to whatever that is, uh, that creates that channel conflict that gets involved. Um, What is your advice to teams, maybe not related to that specific instance, but channel conflict as a keyword, as a, as a whole, um, what do you tell teams? How do you, how do you deal with that? The the best practice that we see is when an organization really define the target market territory-wise, business-wise, size of, of accounts or potential accounts, and make a clear definition of what is direct and what is through channel, right? So it's really more a sales strategy and how you divide the market. It's the same way if you have a, a reps inside the company want to define now, are you two reps, one maybe targeting large account and the other one small accounts. There will always will be some overlap and uh, there is no a way to bypass the conflict resolution and something dealing with partners and dealing with your internal sales it's never 100 percent clear who's dealing with what but you need to have a clear definition if you go 100 percent in one country through partners you need to make sure that you don't have inside sales targeting that territory if you go both you want to have some access to the market direct and some through partners right defined maybe by size of customers as organization with number of employees more than a thousand will be handled by the direct. So, and less than a thousand, I'm going to do it through channel. Of course, there's some overlap, not always clean data. So some companies that you might think it's over a thousand partners might think it's less than a thousand employees. And that's why I need to have some resolution process in place. But in general, setting up the rules and then communicating, communicating those rules clearly to your internal salespeople, internal marketing, and of course the partners is really critical part to remove most of the conflicts that you might have if you don't define it up front. Okay. When you establish a, a, a account-based marketing, of course, when you create those lists, partners can upload those lists to a structured web, right, to our system. And the vendor can check if those lists overlap with their uh, list without having a direct access to the partner list. So we do kind of blind mapping of the list and, and can check if there's overlap even between partners. So maybe you have 10 partners in specific territory and you want to check how much overlap exists between them. We can do that analysis on account-based marketing without disclosing the list between the partners to other partners. And of course, not between the partners to the vendors. Uh, Partners most of the time will be very protective on their list. They don't want anybody to have access to that. And they want to know if they upload it to the system 
it can be used, but without disclosing the PII, no first name, last name, company name, or email address can be shared directly with the vendors or other partners. So let's do this. My understanding so far is mm -hmm. in order to qualify myself uh, to build sort of a bigger automated, let partners do their own thing. Yep. I think I first have to have alignment with marketing. Who's going to do what? How is this operation going to affect their uh, OKRs, KPIs, make sure that we're we're on the same page. This is how it's going to benefit you. This is why we're going to do this together, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then I have my my targets, well, the targets on who I'm going after, who I want to co-market towards the actual audience. And then I pick out those partners that I think would be good co-marketing partners. So I'm going to stop right there and ask you the question of how do I qualify a partner for being a good co-marketing partner? Again, depends on your target market. So if you're, let's say, try to reach small businesses. Target audience, let's just say a qualified target audience. So, yep, yep. you know, same kind of things for me wanting to set up this in, internally. I've got to make sure I've got my ducks in a row. I imagine if I'm looking out to my partners, I would look at their current branding, some of the stuff they're currently doing and look at their operation, some of the stuff. But what makes a good co-marketing partner? What should I look for mm -hmm. a co-marketing partner? inside and out. Yeah, so I said, it depends on what the you want the partner to do, right? So if you try, for example, to find people can just influence your target market, right? Then I'm looking to establish partners that have those communication channels. Maybe somebody have a very successful, if I target small businesses, I'll do research and find those uh, influencers that have large list of small businesses and, and publish content about small businesses and they have successful channel and maybe they work with other products and other brands that they leverage them to reach those small businesses, right? If I try to find a transacting partner, somebody actually will go and have sales team that can engage the end customer, capture the leads and convert it. I'll look for organizations that have experience. So let's say have X number of salespeople to drive specific volume. They have the expertise. If I sell marketing software, I want them to be engaged in selling marketing. Maybe I work with a digital agency, right? But I would not try to push a cybersecurity product through digital marketing agencies, right? And vice versa. I would not try to push a CRM product through partners that focus on cybersecurity, right? So to find that alignment, to find a real logical connection between the partner to the end customer, both from the messaging, the target audience, their expertise in selling that product category is really critical. Okay, so uh, check the box that these guys are qualified. I imagine when I get to that point, unless they've done partner marketing before, they will probably go through the same bumps uh, that I would have gone through the first time I did it. Yep. So let's say I, I believe that you're the perfect partner. Like you guys, you and I, we could we can market to channel teams together. We both target them. We both have lists. We both have messaging and value props and all that stuff. I know you can, and I know I can, but us doing it together and your team interacting with my team, yeah. what are some of the things, I guess the better way to phrase it, or what are some of the, the things that you've seen cause partner marketing to go south mm -hmm. between the two people? Like I, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, come with my end of the bargain. Maybe you were attributing it differently than I was attributing it. We have different end results. Mm -hmm. What are just list off some of the things that you've seen cause it to cause friction in the, in the co-marketing relationship? I would say the first thing is miscommunication, right? 
clearly set and expand the program, set the expectations. Now, if, if we start to have friction inside organization, right, when we go between departments and between teams, think about that level of friction and miscommunication growing exponentially when you go through partners, right? It's external to your organization. You might be talking to somebody at a partner. They need to communicate to other people in the organization. And that's the major challenge of building a successful program. Second, I would say walk before you run, right? If, you, if it's a new program, don't plan to recruit 500 partners for your channel marketing program. Start with a few, start with five, 10. Understand the process, test it, right? Vet the, the issues out, right? Make sure that the process works, that the communication works, that actually marketing works, right? Because the last thing you want to do is partner taking your marketing assets, communicating them and getting no results, or worst case, get some negative feedback from their audience, right? So testing, evaluating, improving, learning how to work with partners if, if you're just starting to do that, that's the first thing I would say. Pick up five partners, work with them very closely. Even if later on, we want to automate the process and make it more scalable. The first few need to be handheld and you need to have constant communication with them to learn and to improve. And only when you feel that the program is solid, then start to scale it up. Ah, I love it. Yeah, there's some things, again, I'm learning as we go as well. So, um, and I, I to put this into kind of perspective, so we have we have teams that want to use co-marketing to draw in partners. So if I didn't know Daniel, I may reach out to him and say, hey, I've got a big campaign that I want to create that's going to your target audience, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, here's the target audience. Here's what I'm planning. Yeah. And then I want Daniel to get involved with that. And then Daniel will say, actually, I want to be in on that too. And then we'll start strategizing. We'll come up with something um, in that process. And then the execution of that number of things can break. A number of people can feel soured by the relationship. And if Daniel and I are new for each other, we don't know each other. We started this way. We may, I may have had bigger things that I wanted to do with Daniel, but if I don't execute well on the co-marketing, Daniel's not going to want to work with me again. And it can, it can, you know, cause me to lose a potential partner and a potential big outlet for, for um, a new audience. So you want to make sure to have that stuff in place. So did that bring up any, anything else that you want to mention? Yeah. And let's remember at the end of the day, partners, when they engage with you, they, they want to make money and there are different ways, right? One, the basic one, they sell your product and make a revenue share on the product or, or market, market, upmarket the price, right? Second one, they might be helping you to sell the product, but they sell services around your product. And the third option is that they drive traffic to your website and, and they get you know affiliate share, revenue share on new customers that you sign up. So if the partner puts some efforts in helping, working with you, marketing you, and driving a, a more traffic to your brand and to your product, but at the end of the day, they don't see the return on that, they will just quit the program. There are hundreds, if not thousands of programs they can join. So it's not only the operation and the communication, you need to make sure that when they do the marketing, they generate results. They're, they're putting time into that. Maybe they spend 20 hours a week or 20 hours a month. Most partners say, for 20 hours, I expect that return. Different partners will have different expectations, right? So we need to make sure that what is the motivation of the partner? What's the monetary motivation, right? Even put a number into that and see that you help them to get there, right? Most partners concerned, if you talk to partners, look, I'm going to invest in that. If I just start with a program, 
the minimum investment from time and resources and, and tools, five to $10,000. I want to see that return within the first 90 days. If I don't see a return, if it cannot show me how I'm going to get a return, or when I try it, I don't get the return, I'm probably going to quit the program, move to somewhere else. Now, they don't really quit the program. They stay as listed partners, but they lose engagement. They stop working with you, stop marketing you. So you're, you invested a lot of money recruiting that partner. If you don't retain them, you lose a lot of market potential and most likely you won't be able to recruit them again. And I like, I like this approach. I was, I was killer. So, uh, so what we're talking about and what Daniel was just mentioning is when you're going uh, to your partners, your actual signed on MSPs typically, but your, your partners that are in your program. Uh, the other side of that is when you're going to a strategic alliance and creating a new market with that strategic alliance. And the analogy is, instead of me going to Daniel and trying to figure out how I can get my brand in front of his audience, what we're trying to do is say, forget my audience, forget your audience. What we want to create is a new pie together. Mm -hmm. So we map accounts. I know that I have a hundred people that I'm targeting that Daniel is also targeting. Then there's this whole world of unknowns out there. And we want to create some marketing that's going to put both of us in front of that new world, which is creating a new pie. So instead of thinking I have a pie, I'm going to give Daniel some of my pie. He's going to give me some of his. Think of it like let's, we're going to bake a brand new pie using co-marketing that we're going to create together. You can do that with strategic alliances or your partners. Uh, some of the tech companies that I've seen do this really well and agencies do it really well too, is you kind of have a wide net of things that you can do with just about anyone um, that are small, you know, like we call them little expert highlight content bits, interviews for certain mm -hmm. things, yeah. do something small. And then in that process, it's low risk, you know, in that process, you're going to find out that this person really executed well, everything was right on whatever they created on their end was killer from a branding, from an asset standpoint. And then you say, you know what, that went so well, let's do the next thing. Yep. And then you snowball the co-marketing into the bigger and bigger things as you go. Let's do a course together. Yep. Let's create our own podcast and you'll be my co-host. Let's, mm -hmm. I, I saw one, uh, a bigger one was Wistia's soapbox campaign. They ran like two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. If you're not familiar with this, Wistia built essentially a do-it-yourself, a DIY um, recording. I have one right in front of me, so I'm looking at it but it's a box, an actual wooden soap box that you order from them or you order from Amazon or whatever, or get from your hardware store. And then they give you a list of things you gotta buy. You gotta buy a light, you gotta buy a camera stand, you gotta buy a microphone stand, and then you drill a hole in it and you run all the wires and you can take this whole contraption, it's all screwed together, and you can move it to your kitchen, you can move it to your living room, you can move it to your desk, and content creators like myself love it. So. Instead of Wistia just coming out with that and saying, here it is, it's on our website, go get it. They went to their partners, their top previously proven co-marketing partners and said, do you want in? And there were some benefits to it. They were, uh, the major benefit was at the end of the campaign, the partners that were involved get to go on stage and present uh, some results some stuff that their marketing team did. And they're all marketing teams. Yep. So the benefit there is they are the, thought leaders, as well as they are the ones that help the campaign become successful, which means any of Wistia's brand users, tech users or brands 
would look at those agencies and say, I want to work with them. And during the whole campaign, there were multiple mini contests of driving traffic and all the sorts of stuff where they paid out cash. Mm-hmm. And then of course, everybody involved, all the agencies were posting pictures of themselves with their soapbox and showing mm-hmm. the videos that they recorded. Enormously successful campaign. Took a lot of creativity, but the execution was phenomenal. And it was one of the best examples I've seen. Yeah, and this is a great, great example because it really shows that in partnerships, the motivation of the partner is not always selling a product and make a revenue share on that or generating leads or selling services. Some partners would do it to build their brand. Some, some people, individual that can influence the market says, I need to build my recognition in the market, right? Some people do it just because the pleasure of being on stage and being able maybe to do a joint podcast with you or joint press release or something. So there are many different motivation reasons for people to do joint marketing with you but you have to have candid conversation with that person you work with understand what is it for them not for you for you it's very clear what is it for them and make sure you can demonstrate to them how you're going to achieve it with them and you actually achieve that and that you can repeat the process because you don't want to have one-time partnerships you want to have repetitive partnerships now you might be doing it only once a quarter with that partner right if it's somebody to invite your blog or maybe to a user conference, which would be once a year, do that, but set the expectation, make sure you deliver that because then you can work, continue and work with them on a regular basis. And you, you hit on something that I, I, I want to reiterate because I think that's super important. Uh, we have this phrase you know, saying our motto is people are your partners and how this works in execution is Daniel is CEO of Structure Web, but Daniel has a personal brand. He mm-hmm. also needs to be the thought leader in co-marketing while you're on this podcast. So when you're looking at your partner ecosystem, you see companies and too many of us just see companies. I see Structured Web and I see all these other companies, but the good ones, the really good co-marketers, they'll go into those companies and they'll say, you know, this person head of their customer success actually has their own podcast and has a good following on social and seems to really want to put out a personal brand around Mm -hmm. something that may not even be related to the company at all. But Mm -hmm. that, that keyword, that target, that something that they want to be known for happens to be something that I have an audience for as well. And I can pull that person out and say, I'm not really co-marketing with the company behind you. I want you to be in this content, to be involved in this, and let's you and I do something. And then you don't have to worry so much about list sharing and all the B2B stuff that you'd have to worry about. You're really just helping that person create thought leadership, and they're going to thank you just for the extension of their personal brand. Mm -hmm. And that could be it. So think about that when you're thinking about co-marketing. It doesn't have to be a B2B thing. Yeah, a basic example that I see working quite successfully there. A lot of people have YouTube channels that cater to small businesses, operation, finance, marketing, and others. And they like to partner with others just to have quality content for their channel. Actually, their motivation is getting money from the advertising that is uh, posted on, on those videos, right? So any good content that you have that they can engage their audience and continue to share with them, either that you share with them and they they publish it on their YouTube channel or they do joint uh, videos together with you, they will publish it because they need to keep that content and you reduce their content production cost if you give it to them, right? Uh, Then there there is no monetary exchange between you and them because they don't expect you to pay for that. They get the money from the advertising that driving 
uh, revenue on their channel. So again, look what, what motivates your partner, how to help them achieve their goals, and how you provide it to them, help them to execute. And as you asked at the beginning, how you drive attribution, right? If I can report to my partner says, this is how much I help you, right? They will be partner and they will be partner for a very long time. Daniel Nissan, thank you so much, sir, for taking the time. Structured Web, how should people reach out to you? Go to structuredweb.com. How should they Structuredweb.com. There is a lot of content on our website. If you want to learn more about channel and channel marketing, check our blog. There is a link right also from structuredweb.com and all the information from there, how to contact us and see some example videos and webinars that we post. And we'll be very happy to help you. Uh, if you try to reach me directly, look for Daniel Neeson Structure Web on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll always uh, reply to people that reach me there directly. Thank you very much for being on the show, sir. And we'll see you online and let's do some more co-marketing together. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate the invitation. Take care.